Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, Andrew Dewing will talk you through the current market, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice. He will also be interviewing a leader in the world of agriculture and finishing up with Farm Chat, which includes his favourite bit, where he tastes beer for free. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and his market report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decisions to trade is yours. Market Report for Monday the 26th of November 2018. We've hit form in recent weeks. Our predictions have been accurate, um, but to be absolutely fair, the market hasn't really moved very much. Um, Hopefully we stopped people from panicking when the market was going down on a regular basis and we kind of said it's had enough. So it is it is now taking a bit of a breather and in fact showing signs of slight improvement. The reality of the market as an overview this week is we are in the middle of the most incredible lottery. The Brexit negotiations, if there's a deal that's struck or if there's not a deal struck... Uh, has massive implications and, and none of us really know the full depth of it. We're going to have a bit of a chat more on that, I think, later in, in this programme. So prices, uh, wheat, let's start with that this week. X Farm, December, 163 in Norfolk, uh, 170 X Farm for May. Uh, it's It's the same as it was last week. Yeah, I don't see it really moving very much. There are signs of the futures just creeping up a little bit. So maybe um, you'll get people paying up a bit uh, with the futures moving up. They can hedge it. So if you you take the 170x for May, that's a slightly aggressive price. So maybe maybe that's a a time for one or two people to sell a bit more of their old crop. New crop wheat, 151x November. That definitely has moved up uh, back into the 50s, which is great. Uh, Again, with, with the trade desperate to get tonnage under their belt you might be able to push somebody to pay a bit more money uh, for some of the positions you you for example if you offered wheat for june at 160 which is a nice rounded price you'd probably get someone to to take it from you so yeah you know things are improving a little bit but we're waiting for the big brexit moment to determine what happens next Oilseed rape has come off a diddy bit, 323x for deck. Currency has firmed up a little with uh, with Mrs May's um, getting not only a deal of, of sorts signed off by the Europeans, but but you know seeing off the uh, the old Etonians who tried to oust her. So yeah, at the moment she's on on the up, and therefore the pound is a bit firmer. New crop statically staying around about 312 we we hold with our view that underlyingly that has fundamental issues with supply so we don't see massive downside pressure on that obviously currency willing uh feed barley 163x for deck not a lot to say about that um there are some boats trading at the moment we've got a boat going down this week so if someone fancies moving a bit down to Lowestoft, we've got a boat in wednesday thursday um 163x or if we can get a delivered price we'll probably pay up a bit delivered because uh, it's very hard to get haulage at the moment the uh, the sugar beet uh, factory is going to close at the end of january and that's upped the uh, the the demand for haulage quite dramatically and it is really hard to get hold of lorries at the moment uh, so anyone with feed barley who hears this and fancies ditching it and they can deliver it to lower stuff we will be very generous new crop 
hasn't really moved, hasn't really traded. Feed barley seems to be the one thing that nobody trades forward. So 135x, we chuck a price out there. If someone wants to talk about it seriously, then give us a call. But as I say, it always seems to be the uh, the, the, the Cinderella crop uh, that never gets traded forward. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The family-run West Barsham Estate near Fakenham is home to the Barsham Brewery. North Norfolk's sea air and unique microclimate helps them to produce some of the best malting barley in the world. At West Barsham, they grow Maris Otter barley, malted just down the road at Chris Maltings, and then blended with water from their very own well. They specialise in wholesome, traditional beer styles with a real focus on quality and consistency, and are very proud to be the purveyors of a homegrown product in the truest sense. Available on tap in many local Norfolk pubs or by appointment at West Barsham. For more details, visit barshambrewery.co.uk. And now it's time for our feature. This morning I've got with me Kit Papworth. Now Kit has the luxury of me driving through his farm every single morning so I can check on his crops. Morning Kit. Morning Andrew. Things are looking alright this year aren't they? Yeah, I think we've been very, very lucky in this part of the world. Uh, crops look really well, and today we finished lifting potatoes for the 18 seasons. So <laughs> absolutely. No, we're very pleased. So more wheat going in? Yes. Um, for various political reasons and, uh, I guess, some changes in the cropping area and, and some fairly hard decisions about our rotation, we have put more oilseed rape and more cereals in the ground this autumn than ever, ever before. You see, the dynamic is, for us... We have several farmers on admitting to planting up to 10% more wheat. I couldn't confirm that we've put 10% in yet, but the plan, if the autumn continues to be kind, is to put that sort of area in. Although definitely an increase in winter barley as well. So the dynamic from a trading perspective, and this is a, this, uh, the objective is to kind of be out there and open about our thoughts. So... We keep getting people saying there's 10% more wheat in the ground. We think the wheat acreage is is greater than first anticipated and it is a bearish signal for new crop prices. So you heard it here first. Okay. Um, Right, Kit, tell me, obviously you're a farmer. uh, What else do you do? What what other titles have you got? Uh, Sitting here today, uh, my cousin and I run LF Papworth Limited and we are a contract farming business in northeast Norfolk. Uh, and I specialise in cereals and oil seeds. I'm basis qualified, so I look after uh, the agronomy um, and, uh, and the fertiliser. And I probably do a lot of the growing side of the sugar beet, uh, while Tim focuses on potatoes and cattle. And then, as a family, we look after 26 different landowners in the area and try and help them to achieve what it is that they want to do with their land. Okay. The agronomy side, you do the agronomy for your own farm? No, uh, we have an agronomist as well, so I'm basically qualified, but we have an agronomist from outside come in and uh, he and I make the decisions uh, about what we're going to do and then I'm in charge of making sure it actually happens. So amongst all of those things, tell me about your day. How does your your day pan out? Uh, Well, that depends on the day. uh, After 14 years, I've just completed my last few meetings at Anglia Farmers uh, where I was taken on as a young director and I guess spent quite a lot of my time... uh, after nine o'clock in the morning, going to uh, Honingham and mm-hmm. uh, sitting in meetings. I've met some amazing people through that business. Um, 
And rightly, it was time to retire. And I'd taken on another role within Anglia, uh, looking after an agrochemical distribution business. Okay. And I still have one small link to, to AF, but it's been an amazing journey. And um, you know, I'm very lucky to, to be there. Um, but I also have another role um, at a, a tourist organisation called Pensil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spend increasing amounts of time there as well. So I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time away from the business, and I've learned a lot from that. Um, so yes, I spend I spend some time away from from the main farming business. Okay, so the so the the Pensthorpe tourists, can you expand on that? Yeah, uh, Pensthorpe is a, a fabulous uh, business. We've been awarded the, the top uh, destination in in Norfolk a number of times for children to come to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's owned by the Jordan family, and they've invested heavily in play for young children. Um, but also we have a conservation trust, and we own a farm as well. So and I've, I've been involved in there for 10 years now. And it's been immense fun, and I've learned a lot, and I've become more involved as, as time's gone on. So, I mean, but, the, the, you know, the, the traditional, you know, you need to be sitting on that tractor, boy, and you know, you'll know what the land is like and all that. I think we know pre this pre pre turning on the recorder. We were having a quick conversation about how it all looked, and 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 you said uh, you think that farmers have absolutely got it sussed in terms of farming, working the land. That you know, so so sh- you've managed to do that without apparently sitting on that tractor too many times. No, we um, Tim and I are both very fortunate. We we came home quite young, in, in certainly in today's terms, and with a young son at university, Harper Adams. Um, I think I probably came home too early, if I'm honest. But I did come home and drove tractor for many years and drove the sprayer, combine, etc. So I very much on my feet on the ground at, at that time. And over time, you know, our two fathers got older and wanted us to do other stuff. And then we had a big restructure. Um, and Tim and I took on the contracting business and we segregated the land away from that contracting business. And we had to make that run on its own. Hmm. I'm I'm sorry. You recently lost your father. I mean, the the dynamic has now, I guess, changed. Yeah, Dad had been ill for a while, um, and probably had had backed away for a, a couple of years beforehand. Uh, so, yeah, I did lose uh, lose my dad, and thank you for you know, for saying. But he um, he he had sort of handed over most of those roles. But it definitely has changed the dynamic and changed the way we think about that. Hmm. So. Having done your groundwork, having done your, your, your time on the sprayer and you've, you've got so you had a role to fulfil at the farm, you've got other roles involved. There must have been a conflict within that in the sense that you you had to do your day job and then you had to do these other jobs and everybody having several taskmasters is quite a difficult thing. Yeah, very much so. Um, we try to coordinate diaries. Tim... In, so involved in the potato industry as well he's involved in various committees and other organizations mm-hmm. um, and he was unlucky enough to have an accident himself and so mm-hmm. he had to then recover from that and as a result of his accident he's become involved in some other charities and organizations mm-hmm. too so both of us have had off farm uh, things to do and we've tried to make sure that w- at least one of us is on the farm at any one time mm-hmm. and uh, yeah we, we, we've grown as individuals by our involvement with other things but sometimes we do need to knuckle down and actually stick to the day job Mm -hmm. and run the farm social media now we're doing a podcast here you are in our room thank you very much but you have really nailed a a number of sections you know your twitter activity i am aware of um tell me about your social media activities what do you do uh i was quite lucky to get into social media fairly early I, i had a fairly 
firm rule that Facebook was a personal thing, but Twitter and Instagram were, were pretty open game. I felt that uh, social media was a good opportunity for me and for our farm to communicate with people, both farmers and associated businesses, etc., but also to the general public and to just explain what it was that we were doing. And I regularly get questions, direct messages, criticism. Um, oh, we love criticism. Oh, we, absolutely. For what we're doing <laughs> and... And just genuine questions, you know, I'm not a farmer, why do you do that? That seems really weird. And I'm quite open, uh, you know, so we, we've recently be, we've recently trialled non-meat beef burgers at home and I tweeted about it and boy did I get some criticism from farmers, but lots of genuine, oh, was that okay? How, how was that? Do you think that might be the future of meat? And, and all those sorts of things. I'm quite unashamed about that. I appreciate it probably doesn't make me most popular in the industry, but I do think I have a... You know, Look, the, the industry has a problem with it. You know, the tweeting to the farming community is at best, there's a word we used earlier in the office, but we'll call it suspect. You know, they go, oh, look at him, he's tweeting, what a load of rubbish. It's not about the farming community, is it? The farming community is 2% of the population. The other 98% don't know anything about food. Mm. And the, the voice is what you need to the general public without it being filtered through the media because the media will pick and choose whether they talk about your story or whether they don't talk about your story. If you can get out to the masses and you've got enough of the masses following you, and that's what you've done. You've got in there, you say you got in there early. This is still early. Uh, it is for the farming community. The, for the rest of the world, and, and, and you know, bear in mind, I live with a journalist and editor, that is how stories break. That's how stories happen. And, you know, this morning we're sitting here with, you know, the political world in turmoil, and everybody is watching social media to see what is happening next. The key point is the the the, the start of the story or the the message that needs to get across. Because the farming community is backward in this area, they haven't got a voice to the general public. They feel completely and utterly wronged by people's attitude to what they're doing, which is effectively feeding the nation. And yet they, they've been the good guys, and yet they're the bad guys all of a sudden. Even you know people who produce cows are now killing the earth. So it's, it's, if ever farming needed a voice, it is now. And you've got how many followers on your, on your Twitter? Uh, Twitter, 5,500 or so, and, yeah, Instagram, a, a few more. And uh, it's been really interesting, and I've really enjoyed the engagement with the media, engagement with the public, um, and it's got me uh, all sorts of interesting places. You, you need, yeah, but you need to... You know, you have become, therefore, a voice of agriculture. Whether the rest of agriculture thinks that's a good idea because they think you're an idiot for tweeting stuff, th- th- they're not relevant. I'm What's okay re- with that, actually. Yeah, no, no, good. But, yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm try- what I'm trying to say is we've, we've recognised that um, the message about farming is vital to the survival of the whole industry. We need farmers to be liked and, and, and appreciated, and we don't want flowers in the field instead of grain. If there's no grain in the field, I haven't got a job. And that's fairly important to me, obviously. So, no, we, we need that uh, message to get out there to more and more people, the 5,000 people you've got on Twitter or the 20,000 you've got on Instagram or whatever it is, that gets re- retweeted, re- re-pushed out there if it's interesting. All right, nine of them are, are not interesting. There's a picture of a tree first thing in the morning. You go for a run and we all think, git, he's gone running and gone we're running. all fat. Could have been in bed. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah I just can't be able to take my camera. <clears throat> um, so... But the point, or, set, or tell people. But no, the, the point is that you have a picture of something that brings it home. That that it's this is a this is the ground. This is stuff growing in it. This is a real product. We've got a great story to tell. We we are producing really good quality, really healthy food. I think the public have a right to be able to ask us how the, how we produce their food for them, and if 
you can definitely pick up on trends on Instagram and Twitter much faster than you you know are likely to read it anywhere else. So we we, we get our USDA report off Twitter when it comes out at five o'clock within within twenty seconds. You've got an, a, a, an assessment on on a Twitter feed, and within a couple more minutes, you've got the re, the trade reaction to that as well. Mm. And you know, and, and whether they actually believe the USDA report. Yeah, so we have a very simple, lovely, straightforward story. Every farmer knows they're the good person in the village because they grow things for the planet, and yet. Nobody likes them in, in, in the context of their, you know, the food production now, they spray pesticides and you're all bad. It, it's That message has got to be, we've got to get farmers, we've got to get the farming community, we've got to get the story out there continuously, positively, and the only way is social media, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's not the only way. There's still tr- you know, quite traditional media as well. But we have definitely got an opportunity to explain how good our food is. And to listen to the public, and we've got to do that. So exactly. during grain is well respected in the industry, and if you guys tweet and say this is an extremely good price to be wrong at, if that is your view, and everyone has to make their own trading decisions, if that is your view, people are going to listen. Hmm. And whether or not I act on that is my call. Yeah, and I, and I, and I think that's why I have during grain no, notification for every time you tweet because if, if you said something, I, I'd like to think it was important. The last thing I want to kind of touch on you: you have a son who's at Agri College. I do, and. Um, What's your what's your view of uh, farming education? It's painfully obvious to me from the people who come out of the various you know uh, agri colleges that there is no uh, quality teaching about marketing. Everyone says whenever we have an interview, we have a discussion. The most important thing is is getting your marketing right. Agricultural colleges, they have got they obviously have not got an in depth assessment or uh, or modern day thinking about grain marketing if it all goes horribly wrong andrew then you'll know what to do there's probably a lecturer's role out there for you yeah, i'm good at lecturing or preaching but no the, having the... seen you on stage i would agree with you <laughs> but I, th- I do think there's a huge amount to be taught there and, and i literally learned from scratch and learned a lot from you and others uh, about the way we were going to treat our grain marketing over time and since i've been home for college we've grown the amount of cereals and seeds. we've grown an enormous amount but the learning on that has come since hasn't it massively but yeah, all uh, my learning has to be fair yeah I, but yeah but uh, okay the, you know there's there's, there's the things you do at university and and whether you get to lectures or whether you don't i'm sure you attended regularly you're, you're a model student i'm positive but it is my point is that there is, there needs to be something that tweaks that imagination in the lecture room that makes them interested and makes them come home and say, do you know what? Do you do this with your marketing? It's uh, probably, well, in my opinion, it's where we are losing the most money in poor, mm. ma- poor marketing. That's my point. Um, uh, you know, by comparison to losing half a ton of hectare and you know, in poor decision in the field. We could easily lose fifty or hundred pounds a ton by, by terrible marketing period, mm. and we're all aware of how long we can sell a ton of wheat for. Mm. And most people wait until it's in the barn before they sell the majority of it, yep. and then try and spot an occasion. And that might be two or three quid better than it was last week, but actually it could have been sold last year or in in the future for more. So, so getting to the end, will there be more or less farmers in the next twenty years? I I've spent a lot of time in cooperatives in terms of purchasing the biggest trick we are missing is cooperation Uh, if farmers cooperated better both in machinery terms in management terms in marketing terms we could beat the world in the uk we have fantastic climate to do it some fantastic soils and some great expertise but we fight each other so much um we're probably better at purchasing but but in terms of marketing and in terms of machinery sharing we are rubbish and so 
there will be less farmers. The industry will change enormously over the next two or three years, five years perhaps, um, and we will become a much more sustainable food production business. But we mustn't lose sight of the fact we have got an enormous population to feed. And Norfolk in particular, we've got a massive opportunity to do that. Mm. Brexit is a phenomenal opportunity, subject to the political uh, decisions about imports, but it is a phenomenal opportunity for agriculture. Look forward to it. Kit, thank you so much for coming in. Nice one. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Andrew. Cheers. Crush Foods produces a unique range of single-variety, cold-pressed rapeseed oils. All their seed is grown here in Norfolk. They only press a single variety for its taste, and they believe that this is what gives the oil the light, nutty flavour people like. Available in local shops across Norfolk, Suffolk and beyond. Visit crush-foods.com for more information. Head over to our Twitter page at Dewing Grain to find out how you can be in with the chance of winning a Christmas hamper from Bakers and Lana's of Holt worth £500. The winner will be announced on our podcast on the 17th of December. Good luck. And now it's time for Farm Chat. Okay, Webby and Andrew again. What beer have we got to taste this week? So we've got, um, it's Oakham's uh, Bishop's Farewell, it's Golden Ale. It's actually one of our mates um, yeah, does Matt, marketing, doesn't Matt it? Perling. Hopefully, Perling's listening. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's give it a go. It looks a nice beer. Well, we're going to try a couple of Matt's beers, even though he hasn't come along himself and brought us any yet. Uh, a few more freebies down the uh, down the line, I think, so, Andrew. I reckon so. Yeah. In, the, in the clubhouse, at least. Yeah, it's a nice, nice beer. Probably a summer beer. But I like it. It's not very summery weather, is it? But no, <laughs> that is, yeah, that's a that's a drinker. What's the five uh, percent smooth, rich, and fruity? Good start to the morning. Perfect. <clears throat> right, we're going to talk about um, the most topical subject again today. We've got to talk about this because it's so heavy in the marketplace. So Brexit. There is a deafening silence from big business about Brexit at the moment, as everyone seems frightened to to scare their customers away or actually say anything, bearing in mind the, the level of understanding of what, what happens next. We've got to talk about it because it's having such a major influence or will have a, such a major influence on price. I mean, you can only just see last week, I mean, the currency volatility has been insane. It's nutty. Yeah. It's um, a swinging, even to, relating it to grain markets, it's swinging markets very, very quickly. Yeah, we're in a situation where Theresa May has come back from Europe with a deal that they have signed off and accepted. Yeah, I think she's done well, remarkably well. Well, she's in the ascendancy. All of a sudden, you know, she's, she's been um, hammered by everybody, mm. but she's actually managed to come back with... A deal. Checkers is chucked, according to yeah. Jeremy Corbyn. I think she, she's um, done incredibly well. I mean, my old man would probably say she's a tough old boot. She's put up with a lot of crap over the last couple of weeks. Inward bickering. Jacob Rees-Mogg certainly won't be getting a Christmas card this year, I don't think. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. She's seen off the posh boys. The, the old Etonians have not managed to get the vote of no confidence. And that in itself is is a phenomenal performance because mm. they're brilliant at that, at that um, modern PR business. Uh, which she isn't, you know, with her dancing skills, <laughs> and she's actually managed to see them off. Yeah, she has. I, th- I think it's um, she's in quite a strong place, or it certainly feels like that from where she was a week ago. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping as a 
as a Romana or a Ramona that she's got half a chance with the proposed deal she put forward. Have you alienated some of our customers, Arian, <laughs> by admitting who you voted for or what you voted for? Yeah, well, the, the interesting thing, I mean, we, we're talking earlier, Andrew, weren't we, about um, another referendum or something in the wings. And the thing I remember back from the last referendum was just the bickering between each other, the Remainers and, and the Brexiteers. It was even them families. I mean, me and my old man had very differing views. And <laughs> But no, it was uh, almost sort of felt like I was going to get stabbed at the uh, the lunch table with a fork or something. So I think it... it built up a lot of animosity and a lot of bickering and I'd, I'd hate to see that again but I do wonder whether that's in the wings again Well uh, two years of negotiations has, has certainly highlighted that Project Fear as, a, as the, as the uh, Brexiteers called it there's several things in there for agriculture which must have uh, farmers who voted to leave must have looked at that and thought hang on a minute a free trade deal with America with their food standards down there how is that mm. going to help us? I think it, it was very difficult from the outset because none of us, I don't think, had enough information. No, I have to now, say, I mean, now, we're now we have, it. and it is quite daunting. I mean, if, if I'm not sure people will realise this at the time, but the um, the tariffs on uh, wheat into the EU is 95 euros a ton. Barley's, uh, I think, the same, 95. Malt, I think, it's 130, 131. That's a huge tariff. Mm. That's quite quite frightening to but think. We won't be exporting, will we? No. No. So if we produce too much wheat, like we planted this autumn... Where does a surplus go? Yeah, where does a surplus go? Yeah. Into doing grain stores, and we get paid lots of money for storage, I hope. Mm. But um, that's a flippant comment, by the way. But it is a it is a frightening prospect. Just looking at the, the, where we're at in terms of... We, we had a farmer come in and say that there was a, a scenario of bearish both ways i think he called it which is you know if there's no deal that means tariffs which means a weak pound but export tariffs exist should hang over the price yeah yeah whereas if there was a deal there'll be no tariffs but there'll be a strong currency Mm. and strong currency means well the the the, uh, gray markets go down strong currency we're less competitive and I mean, on that scenario, it's a, it's a sell, sell scenario for new crop wheat. Yeah, so, so if you took that person's analysis and said, right, he's right, you could be 100% wrong, couldn't you? Yes. <laughs> we, we are in a very difficult position sitting here talking about Brexit. There are so many unknowns. None of us know. I mean, we like to give a view, as hopefully our customers know, rather than sitting on the fence. But it's, yeah, very Difficult trading times. Yeah, so so let's let's go through some more scenarios and let's get to the point where finally um, we we admit that we don't know and it is a flip of a coin and in the end asking us or asking yourselves what the hell happens next is is a lottery. Now, it, it, whilst the price is in a very profitable place, that's a hell of a game to be played and I'm getting personally very nervous about this. I'm getting tempted to say sell it, everybody, just sell the backside off it and get yourself covered. But I haven't got the courage. So let's let's. Just go through some scenarios. Let's just say she puts the deal to the Commons and they vote it down. Yeah. That's the likely scenario, isn't it? Yeah, no deal. So what happens then? She's got. I think she's got a chance to go back and renegotiate with Europe. What is it, for a transitional period, is it? Oh, no, for some more concessions. It's difficult. Yeah, I don't quite know where we stand with that. Um, Just uncertainty. That's what it chucks into the pot again. So what... she goes to the Commons, she gets it voted down, which it looks very likely. Mm. I mean, I, her only hope is a whole lot of Jeremy Corbyn's people going, actually, that's sensible, we're going to go with it, and we're not going to listen to old Jezza. Yeah. I think, I, from me personally, the proposed deal, I thought, was 
quite attractive. It was within the customs union. We the trading environment would be um, we can, amicable. We, yeah, we, we can could, negotiate we, our own free trade deals. Yeah. I think for the farming community, it would be quite a bullish thing. Yes, particularly with the uh, with the surpluses we have, and, and well, Europe's a big market for us. It would give them protection, wouldn't it, for a period after March the 29th? Because I think tariffs don't exist for the rest of this trading season, which, although there's a stronger pound, it would mean the chance um, of exporting, which I think is going to be needed. Yes, Um, I mean, certainly if you take the uh, new crops and everything out of wheat, our customer rates are planting, it it, it certainly will be a big surplus next year. So so another scenario, right? She's just failed to get it through the Commons. She's, She's gone back. Uh, to Europe, they've said no. She's given <laughs> a kicking, yeah. No, merci. And then she gets voted out of office. Yeah. Weak pound. Yeah. Good trading opportunity for farmers. But that then opens the door to a new referendum. Wow, yeah. Because while she's Prime Minister, there's no referendum. But while she isn't, there's a chance. So with that in mind, no deal or remain or proposed deal would be on the voting slip has been muted. That would be really interesting. I'd hate to bet on that three-way, yeah. Never had one of those, Andrew. (laughs) Um, I'd hate to think which way that would go. I'd personally, again, I'd bang on, but I'd like to see us go down the middle with it. But I think the economy, well, not the economy, but society is very torn on it. uh, So you'd vote for the proposed deal? I would, yeah. Yeah. I think I would. Um, Anything to anything to get to a decision no i think it's um it's a decision in, that's needed isn't it we we all want certainty we want a direction fed up of bang on about it we want a, a direction in it everything feels very stifled at the moment so we want some certainty to drive us forward would a go through this deal upset the brexiteers enough to satisfy the rest of us who were fed up with their gloating I don't know. <laughs> That's completely alienated. Yeah. Very hard to uh, please a Brexiteer. If they'd come up with a concise argument about what it would be like outside, it would be great. But the reality is that's why the vote of no confidence failed. There wasn't an answer other than, I don't want this, I'm chucking them out the cot. So we as a business on Brexit are of the opinion that the next three weeks is going to be complete bedlam. We haven't really got a clue. We're trying to second guess. And I think the final answer is the most responsible thing to do, on new crop especially, is get lots of it hedged off. Couldn't agree more. And ignore the fundamentals of of droughts Mm. and floods and whatever. It needs to have some selling done. We love to bang on about it, Andrew, but it's risk management, isn't it? It is. Okay, everyone, you heard it. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dewing Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewinggrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio.